welcome to our Kingdom Culture Podcast. For today's message, we are thankful for what God is doing through this podcast to encourage and transform lives around the world. If you have a story to share about how God has encouraged or transformed your life through this podcast, we would love to hear about it by emailing us at mystory@kingdomculture.ca. If you would like to support this ministry financially to help us bring messages like this to you every week, you can do so online at kingdomculture.ca at the Give option. We also would love to connect with you on our social media, on Instagram and Twitter at KC Ottawa, and Facebook at Facebook slash Kingdom Culture Ottawa. We pray that you would experience God today and be encouraged through today's message. Enjoy! Uh, if you're here, it's, it's your uh, privilege because I believe that really Jesus wants an encounter with you this morning. We, our life with God, should be encounter after encounters. You shouldn't be leaving today based on an encounter you had with Him years ago. He wants something fresh for you this morning to encounter you uh, this morning. I just want to acknowledge Pastor Sean speaking at a summit, a conference in Edmonton this weekend. He sent his love to the KC family. He'll be here next week with us for one of the most special Sundays that we have every year that Matt mentioned. It's called the House of Hearts Sunday. It's, it's one of my favorites, probably my favorite Sunday, um, seeing so many things that God has done through the years uh, to be the sixth House of Hearts. Yeah crazy and so many stories so many testimonies as matt was sharing everything we're believing writing things that we're believing for some things happened in the first year for me some other things happened we had a testimony last year for something we wrote in our house of hearts card in 2017 so i just want to encourage you to bring your faith up in this season bring your faith up because really god wants to do something incredible in your life amen I just want to acknowledge and welcome our online uh, community. They are one week behind, so if you track with us online, you know that you're probably watching a message one week, one week after. So I just want to welcome them uh, today as well. And just acknowledge that this is such a privilege just to be here. Uh, everybody was like, you think I got three or four people asking me if I was nervous about this morning? I said, yeah, every time. <laughs> that doesn't change. <laughs> it's not... You know, English is not my first language, as you could probably tell by my accents. So it makes it even more challenging every time. I'm from Brazil, so Portuguese, if I were to speak in Portuguese, I'll, I'll still be nervous, but a little less nervous than uh, English. But hey, it's always a privilege. You know, it's, it's not about me here. It's about what God wants to speak. And that's, that has been the last season since, I think a month ago, I found out that I was speaking this morning. I've been praying and asking God, hey, God, what do you want to do? I don't take this lightly. It's a great responsibility. So, and one of the things that I felt from God, actually, he reminded me about a word he gave me 18 years ago. Whoa. God's productive all of a sudden. <laughs> um, he gave me in 2005. I was in my university years. It was my second, maybe my sophomore or junior year in, in, in university. And he gave me that word. Please, I know one of the lights went out, so don't fall asleep on me, okay? We're going to be reading a lot from this uh, one passage. I know it's tempting, but please stay awake, okay? I'll be very sad if you sleep. Uh, but anyways, it's a word that he gave me in 2005. And of course, uh, it marked me an encounter that I had back then. But I've been asking God uh, about this word 
to him revive, reviving. And I love, this is one thing that I love about the scriptures. Every time you go and you read something that you read before, God's going to speak to you in a new way. And even Pastor Sean, a few weeks ago, I want to say six weeks ago, uh, preached the message, it's only asleep. As and this is we're gonna, the same story we're going to be diving in, which is John chapter 11, and it's the story of Lazarus. All right? We're going to be reading this whole story. It's not that I want to discourage you. I'm not going to read it all at once, but it is 45 verses, okay? So you're going to be tempted. So if you feel like you're falling asleep, stand. Or if you see the person next to you, you have a permission just to shake them up and wake them up, okay? We're all good? The verses will be on the screen. We're going to kick it off. We're not going to read all 45 at once, okay? We'll break this down. Really, like, honestly, like, I was re- going and read this passage many times during this week. And every time that I read, there was something new calling out. So I just encourage you to keep your eyes open. You might receive something that I haven't got from this passage. Let's go. Verse 1. Now a man, Lazarus, was sick. He was from Bethany, the village of Mary, and her sister Martha. This Mary, whose brother Lazarus now lay sick, was the same who poured perfume on the Lord and wiped his feet with her hair. So the sister sent word to Jesus Lord, the one you love is sick. When he heard this, I'm going to read, if you love what's up, I'm going to try to read a, a two, two times speed, okay? I don't know about you, but I love receiving audios from WhatsApp because I can speed them up. Even some videos on YouTube I hear on 1.5, 2.5, you know, like we are this kind of generation that wants to get through things fast. So I'm going to try to read at two, two times speed. Um, when he heard this, Jesus said, the sickness will not end in death. No, it's for God's glory so that his son may be glorified through it. Now Jesus loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus. So when he heard Lazarus was sick, he stayed where he was two more days. And then he said to the disciples, let's go back to Judea. But Rabbi, they said, a short while ago, the Jews uh, there tried to stone you, and yet you're going back. Jesus answered, are, not the 12, uh, are there not 12 hours of daylight? Anyone who walks in daylight will not stumble, and they will uh, see by this world's light. And it is when a person walks at night that they stumble, for they have no lights. After he said this, he went on to tell, Our friend Lazarus has fallen asleep, but I'm going there to wake him up. His disciples replied, Lord, if he sleeps, he'll get better. Jesus had been speaking about his death. But his disciples thought he meant natural sleep. So then he told them plainly, Lazarus is is dead. And for your sake, I'm glad I'm not there so that you may believe. But let's go to him. Then Thomas, also known as Didymus, said to the rest of the disciples, let us also go that we might die with him. We may die with him. Okay, 16 verses, beginning of this story, Jesus and a family here that he loves a lot. Lazarus, Martha, and Mary are the main characters in this passage. We all follow this. I, one of the things that it highlighted to me in the first that says that Jesus loved them very much. What I also find it weird is that after that statement, it says that he's, he hears his friend is sick, he hurts that, and he stays where he is another two days. Something is not, you know, like, why are you not moving, Jesus? Like, I was wondering, like, I could think they sent word to Jesus. They were far. And say, amen, where is Jesus? He's not here. He loves us. We know that he loves us. Why is he not coming? 
And I, the first thing that actually speaks to me about this passage is that many times in our Christian life, we want things done in our timing. And we wonder, hey, why is the promise that God gave to me 10 years ago, five days ago, sometimes you get a promise on a Sunday, you want it to happen on a Monday. You start to wonder, why are certain things not happening in my timing? And I think that's, that's a common denominator. Like, I meet people for coffee in this church, and I talk to them, and I hear, hey, man, I wonder, and I wish, like, I was, like, moving, I was further alone. We want things in our own timing. But the reality is that Jesus moves above the chronological timing, and he knew the right timing to show up. And this story talks about the most, I want to say if we were to rank Jesus' miracles, this would probably be number one or at least top three. Like he did heal, heal people from and resurrected people from dead. But this guy was, we're going to read further on the story, he was there for four days. It's crazy. It's an extraordinary miracle. And what the Bible tells us is that those miracles are available to us. That we would do the works that Jesus did. The same spirit that raised Jesus from the dead lives within us. And we have access to all these things. So, I love verse 11 too that Pastor Sean focused. We, we came out of like a John 11. If you were uh, with us at Let Us Worship. That was one of the things that we prayed for. It's time to wake up. It's time to wake up. And I really believe that this is a word for our house in this season. And I've been praying. And once I felt Holy Spirit talking to me about this verses, I said, Holy Spirit, revive things in me that are dead and things that you have. And when you spoke to that word to me in 2005, I want to start walking in some of those things. And in our journey with God, so many times you can either, like, because you're not leaving how you're supposed to, so many times you get bored. Or your prayer life is not as exciting as it used to be. Or your love might not be as strong as it used to be. And our prayer is that Jesus has called us to wake up to, to that reality. He wants us to have the best life. Jesus is life. We're going to read in this word that he talks, I am resurrection and life. And he came so that we have life and life abundance. So there's like the best life that Jesus called. And sometimes, I don't know about you, and I am guilty of this too. I'm not living up to the best of my potential. And my prayers this season is like, it's time to wake up. I want dreams to wake up. I don't want to forget the promises that God spoke over my life. And the same for you too. My prayer this morning is that we wake up in this season for what God wants to do. That we get shaking like we did during worship. We get moving. And we get excited to what God's going to do in this season. Again, Christian life is not meant to be boring. It's meant to be a wild adventure. It's meant to be miracles that will call out new miracles. That will call out new miracles. Amen? Okay, let's keep going. Everybody's awake now? If not, shake the person next to you. Verse 17. On his arrival, Jesus found that Lazarus had been there in the tomb for four days. 
Now Bethany was less than two miles from Jerusalem, and many Jews had come to Martha, Martha and Mary to comfort him for the loss of their brother. When Martha heard that Jesus was coming, she went out to meet him, but Mary stayed home. Lord, Martha said to Jesus, if you had been here, my brother would have had died. But I know even now God will give you whatever you ask. Jesus said to her, your brother will rise again. And Martha answered, I know he will rise again in the resurrection at the last day. Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and life. The one who believes in me will live even though they die. And whoever lives by believing in me will never die. Do you believe this? Yes, Lord, she replied. I believe that you are the Messiah, the Son of God, who is come to, into the world. There's a key here that also happens in our relationship with Jesus. Is that when we are in the midst of a desperate situation or a situation we don't know how to handle, I think that we act like Martha did so many times. What are some keys? What did she do? We want to tell God how he needs to be God and how he needs to move in a situation. We want God, because we are so used to one way of God moving, we want him to always move that way. And I love that she, what she does here, she said, Lord, Martha said to Jesus, if you had been here, my brother would not have been died. So she threw Jesus in her past. Oh, if you were here, nothing would have happened. Then what she does after? I know he will rise again in the resurrection at the last day. And then she throws Jesus in the future. But in reality, what Jesus is trying to show to her is that now he has arrived. And her time is now. It's not in the past and it's not in the future. Jesus' time is Jesus' time. And this is what I believe. So many things in our life, we are either throwing Jesus, oh, I know that Jesus will do one day. I'll live that. Or, oh, Jesus, if you were here, nothing. Like, this wouldn't have happened in my life. I wouldn't have lost that job. I wouldn't have, like, been sick. So, I, like, I want to encourage you to put Jesus, not like you're not, in your place is not to tell God how to be God. Our place is just to acknowledge his presence and know that he wants to do something today. And this is my prayer for this morning, is that I believe that not next week on House of Hearts, not tomorrow, but today, you get a new revelation of the love of God. And that should be our posture every day with Jesus, walking with Jesus. We're not throwing Jesus in our future or in our past. Of course, he will be in our future and hopefully you will follow him all the days of your life. But when it comes to his move, his timing is very different than our timing. And the fact that he only showed up four days later is because he knew that he was important. It would, would be one thing to heal the sick, one kind of like miracle that would probably impact a lot of people. It would be another thing to resurrect something, someone from the dead the day after they, he died. But four days, he knew the weights that that miracle would cause in people's lives. Amen? So we can keep going here. Verse 28. After she had said this, she went back and called her sister Mary aside. The teacher is here, she said, and is asking for you. 
When Mary heard this, she got up quickly and went to him. Now Jesus had not entered the village, but was still at the place where Martha had met him. When the Jews who had been with Mary in the house, comforting her, noticed how quickly she got up and went out, they followed her, supposing she was going to the tomb to mourn there. When Mary reached the place Jesus was and saw him, she fell at his feet and said, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. When Jesus saw her weeping and the Jews had come alongside of her weeping, he was deeply moved in spirit and troubled. Where have you laid him? He asked. This is a very important question. We'll come to this later. Come and see the Lord. Uh, come and see, Lord, they replied. And Jesus wept. Then the Jews said, see how he loved him. But some of them said, could not he have opened the eyes of the blind man and have kept him, this man, from dying? Jesus once more was deeply moved, came to the tomb, and it was a cave with a stone laid across the entrance. This, for me, is one of the most important moments of this story. Jesus is in this encounter with Mary. She has the same reaction as Martha. Through, him, through Jesus in the past, if you were here, my brother wouldn't be in this condition. I can imagine that they were talking about that before Jesus showed up, you know? Like, oh, when is Jesus going to come up here, come here? If he comes, my brother will live. And then a few days go by, a few days go by, and they're more and more discouraged. And then what is key for me is what happens, verse 38, Jesus was deeply once more moved, came to the tomb, and he just starts describing how was this place. It was a cave with a stone laid across the entrance. I have a few images for you that we'll share this morning. You can put image number one on the screen. There you go. Uh, this, I imagine that something like this was the cave. This is not the exactly representation or picture, uh, but it's very similar. It's a tomb, it's a cave, and it, this one is an empty one, okay? Then you can go into image number two. This one is how verse eight, uh, 38 describes. It was a cave with a stone laid across the entrance. And this for me is significant because I started thinking about the people that lived in that area. And imagine we have a beautiful stage here, a city. People are just walking and they come across this place and they see that stone. What do they think? There's someone dead inside. That stone had a meaning. And for most people, what it meant is death. Once, go back to the picture number one. This is empty. People come by. Normal. Just a normal cave. Picture number two. Death. You walk by. People would walk every day and they look at this and say, hey, there's someone dead inside. That stone represented death. Now, let's take a look at the next verse. 39. Take away the stone, he said. But Lord, said Martha, the sister of the dead man, by this time there is a bad odor, for he has been there for four days. So, after this long, long introduction and reading, the title of my, my message today is Take Away the Stones. It's time to wake up. And I want us to go back into, you can go back to the image, the second image there. 
uh, yes, it's fine. The, the verse, the, the title can be there. I was thinking about that stone and what that stone represented, right? I said it represented death. In the Bible, you will see death as sin many times, right? It's a separation from God. And I feel like in our lives, I see us as that empty image number one. You can go back to the number, image number one. This is most likely our lives. On a day. Imagine, picture us as like a, that cave. But I think that with life goes on, we started accumulating some stones in front of us. Some things started getting in our way. Of course, before we knew Jesus, you can go to the image number two. This is how we were like, because we were dead in our sins, in our sinful nature. We had no connection with God. There's no interaction with God. What I love about this passage is that verse 39, and you don't need to go back there. Jesus is asking, he's, he's about to do a miracle, but he asks for one thing, take away the stone. Why? Why is the stone so important? And I think that in our lives, those stones are not only sins now that we came to Jesus. It could be a sin. It could be an addiction. It could be whatever it is. But sometimes the stone can be a trauma you've been through in your life. It can be a lack of a breakthrough in your life. It can be a, an area that you've been fighting for healing for many years. You've not seen God come through. That stone can be a block for you. And the problem of having that stone is that I can imagine that our four big problems and four big issues with this, our reality looking like this picture. Number one, light doesn't come in. We are meant to walk in lights, but it gets super dark. I, I suppose that if I were to come back here and this was a cave, I'm going to stage team. Like we start getting blocks and light is blocking here. Here is darker. You guys can't see. But then we start accumulating stuff in front of us. This is glued to the ground. I'm not going to move it. <laughs> uh, you're welcome. So, but we start accumulating stuff and it begins to be darker and darker and darker. And we are meant to walk in light. And it's very hard to walk in the dark. I have two young children. I go into their bedrooms often at night to go feed them. The first thing that I try to do with my youngest, I turn a little light on. Otherwise, I'll trip. It happened before. <laughs> and I don't recommend you walk in darkness. But number two is you will be suffocated, isolated. And like Martha said, you begin to smell bad. And I think that this is one of the reasons. And I know that we just been through this crazy pandemic that did this to a lot of people. Magnify how isolated they were. How without community they were. And a lot of people started to, we saw anxiety spike. Depression spike. Because they were hiding inside. Or many times we don't even need a cave. All you need is a social media to hide behind. And that be a stone for you that is not letting you and you're living a different reality inside and the fact is if you put alive in there and you let yourself there for days you get hungry and you slowly die 
So Jesus knew how important it was to take away the stone. Because we're not meant to leave life isolated, disconnected. And many times we can walk even in church buildings and see people in these conditions. Sometimes it's our own lives. But God, this is not the best life we're called to be. We're called to live in community. We're called to live connected to other people. We're called to, God wants to access our heart, but that those stones, and you can name it, you know your, struggle, your struggles, your challenges in your own life. That those things that could be a block in your life. Number three, and very dangerous reason, you can't hear his voice. If there is a stone there, man, you're not hearing anything that is going on on the outside. And this is a danger for any Christians and any Christian life is your lack of hearing God's voice. But you may say, Eduardo, I have a hard time already hearing the voice of God today. And like Pastor Sean always say, and I recommend you go to the Supernatural Leadership website, there's a free lesson on this. If your problem is not hearing God's voice, your problem is in recognizing God's voice. I believe He's speaking to you today. I don't believe your problem today here, for most of you, is like a stone. And if it is, it's fine. We'll, we'll have a ministry team. At the end of this experience, get what, what we'll do, we'll roll some stones here. Amen? But I believe that God wants to speak with you. You need to begin to recognize His voice. Amen? And having a stone, having stuff in front of your life, having issues and things you cannot overcome will block you from living your best life, the life that God called you to live. And then number four is you would lose all your senses. If you're in that cave long enough, you have no eyesight anymore. You had, like, you lose everything. And slowly, in our Christian's li Christian life, if we're not activating, if you're just, like, leaving starving all week, not reading your Bibles, not seeking the Lord. You get here so desperate, so hungry, but you might not have enough room to hear and get all the nutrients because you're meant to get that every single day of your week and get, get that connection and get relationship with Jesus. So, two things that Jesus uh, establishes here. So, let's go back to verse 39. He says, take away the stone." But the Lord, you, yeah, take away the stone. But Lord, said Martha, this, this, the sister of the dead man, by this time there's bad odor, uh, for he has been there for four days. Jesus asked the people to do something. And another key and another goal in this passage is that after Jesus asked us to do something, what is the first time, what is usually our first response? List excuses list limitations oh but it smells bad oh but the stone is too heavy oh but it's too hard oh what's going to happen with my time what's going to happen if this and this happen but we don't obey and then we're robbing ourselves from seeing what god wants to do verse 40 then jesus said did i not tell you if you believe you will see the glory of god and i want to tell you your faith has a beautiful reward and the two things that Jesus is asking here in this passage is, number one, 
will the stones. I believe that many times, depending on our situation, there are stones that are heavy enough for us to push away. There's some that you might need the help from your community. But if your situation is okay, there's morning. This morning, there are a few decisions that you can make that I bet you can roll on. Some, some stones from your own life. But you might be in a situation that it's okay. I've been there before. I don't have enough time to go deep into this morning. But I shared this before, even from the platform. After we lost our son, I felt like a big stone. And everything went dark in front of us. I had no vision for a season I have. It was the toughest season. of. It felt like death after we lost our second son. And I needed this community. And this community stepped up and helped push the stone so that I could be today here. And I'm super thankful for this community. So I do understand that you may be in a situation today that you need other people to help push this stone. But if you're not, I believe there's also things that you yourself can push that God will come and move. The ones, and something that I love is that I can imagine people then. I can imagine that those that said, hey, I'll sign up for that team of Rolling Stones. I am ready. And what is beautiful about that is that those that believed, those that moved the stones, they believed that Jesus could resurrect. You wouldn't move the stone if you didn't believe that Jesus had the power to resurrect that man. So once you're taking action with a little thing, you're putting your faith. And this is the opportunity that we have here next week. It's also a sacrifice. It may be a stone. Finances may be the biggest stone of your life, the biggest struggle of your life, your biggest limitation. And once we partner next week, our faith, we're saying, hey, God, here's my sacrifice. I'll move it. It may hurt. It may be heavy. It may be the biggest financial sacrifice. It may be the biggest time that I partner with my giving, with believing that you, when I do that, you will come and you will move. So this is the power that we have as we get a chance next week in our house of hearts. So be praying this week. What are the some stones that financially also you can move away and the things that you're going to write in your card are probably areas where you're believing to see God move there might be stumbling blocks or might be giants that you're believing will be out of your way so that you can walk into what God called you to walk so verse 41 so they took away the stone Jesus looked up and said father I thank you that you have heard me I knew that you always hear me but I said for the benefit of the people standing here that they may believe that you sent me. When he said, had said that, Jesus called in a loud voice, Lazarus, come out. And the dead man came out, his hand and feet wrapped with strips of linen with a cloth around Jesus' face. Jesus said to them, take off the grave clothes and let him go. There was obedience. And because there was obedience, people obeyed. Jesus came and did what only he can do. In 2005, when I had the image, you can put back the image of the, the rock, the second one. When I, I was in that encounter and God showed me, he said, there's something else to this passage. And I want us to go to... 1 Peter 2, because I believe 
like I said, this stone and this grave speaks, this cave speaks about our identity. And 1 Peter 2, 4 says, Coming to him, watch this verse, as a living stone, rejected indeed by man, but chosen by God and precious, you also as living stones are being built by a, up a spiritual house, a holy priesthood, to offer up spiritual sacrifices, a.k.a. house of hearts. No, just kidding, way more than that, but part of it. Acceptable to God through Christ Jesus. There it is, therefore, it is also contained in the scripture. Behold, I lay in Zion a chief cornerstone, elect, precious, and he who believes in him will by no means put to shame. Therefore, to you who believe, he is precious. But to those who are disobedient, the stone which the builders rejected has become the chief cornerstone. A stone of stumbling and a rock of offense. They stumble being disobedient to the word to which they are also appointed. But you are, pay attention to this verse. This is your identity as a living stone. You are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, his own special people, that you may proclaim the praises of him who called you out of the darkness into his marvelous lights, who once were not a people, but now are a people of God, who had not obtained mercy, but now have obtained mercy. Jesus came to change the game for us. All you had to do is say yes. Move the stone. And you would become image number three. Image number three. This is the best picture of our hearts. Jesus on your behalf is the living stone. And our hearts are free. And every time you look... And I bet that this happened after Lazarus got resurrected. So everybody that used to walk in that city, in that village, and was seeing number two as the picture, and now see this, hey, this stone represents new life. Was used to be a stone of death is now a living stone, a cornerstone, a stone that changed everything. Man, the power, if you read, we don't have to go time to go enough into that today but if you continue reading even uh, the book of John on the second chapter this not only shifted Jesus' ministry but it also shifted Lazarus he became a social media influencer of the time people were coming to see him if it was really for real that Jesus resurrected a man that was dead for four days so his testimony became that plug-in that people were coming are you really alive And they were seeing and said, like, more people were believing the power of Jesus after they saw Lazarus. So your testimony will also become a key as people walk and see your miracle, your breakthrough, your house of hearts miracles, the miracles that you have in your life with Jesus. This will become the biggest testimony you can ever carry. Amen. Verse 30, 43. When he said Jesus, Jesus called in a loud voice, Lazarus came out. The dead man came out. His hands and feet were wrapped 
uh, strips of linen, a cloth around his face. Jesus said to them, take off his clothes and let him go. A few more keys before we finish. The picture of this, going back to picture number three. Jesus didn't pay the price for you just to stay in that way. After Jesus called Lazarus out, he's not only healing you and calling you to wake up, to leave you with bondage. You are now free. You're now welcome into a new life. He's not freeing you so that you can stay in bondage. No, he is healing you and freeing you for your best life, for you to walk 100% into your potential, into life abundance that has called you to, to live. And the one thing that I love about this passage is that we read so many verses. A lot of people came into contact with Jesus in this chapter. We saw Martha first. She was like arguing, why weren't you here before? Then Mary, then the people, they judged Jesus once they saw him. There's so much we can go into this passage, but we don't have enough time. But they saw Jesus and they were questioning, hey, why wasn't him here before? A lot of these people, Jesus was talking to them and they were just arguing back, not hearing. Who's the only person that heard Jesus in this story? Lazarus, because he was dead. John 5, 25. And I assure to you that the time is coming, indeed, and it's here now, when the dead will hear my voice, the voice of the Son of God, and those who listen will live. Exodus 20, 19. And they said to Moses, you speak to us and we will listen. But don't let God speak to, directly to us or we will die. I just want to tell you another encouragement in this season is that only the dead hear Jesus. Why? For a number of reasons. Dead men don't argue. Dead men don't have self-righteousness. Dead men don't have a need to be right. Dead men are not bitter. Dead men are not full of unforgiveness. Jesus called us if you read the letters of Paul, you need to die with Jesus. That's your decision in baptism. That's your declaration. Hey, I'm here to announce that my old man has died so that I could live. You want to hear Jesus' voice? Die for some of the voices that you have been hearing in the season. Die to the voices of the time you're spending on social media. They're trying to say, oh, this is the best life. This is what you're called for. No. Jesus called us to be dead so that we don't raise enough arguments and we are just responding to him. Galatians 2.20, my old self has been crucified with Christ. It's no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. So I live in this earthly body by trusting in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. Christ in us, he's the hope of glory. 2 Corinthians 4, 16. Therefore, and this is how I want to kind of like wrap, start to wrap things up this morning. Therefore, we do not lose hearts, 2 Corinthians 4. But though our outer person is decaying, yet our inner person is being renewed day by day. I'll go deep into a different translation and I'll expand a few more verses. 2 Corinthians 4, 16 on the New Living Translation. That's why we never give up. 
Though our bodies are dying, our spirits are being renewed every day. For our present troubles are small and won't last very long. Yet they produce for us a glory that vastly outweighs them and will last forever. So that we don't look at the troubles we can't see now. Rather, we fix our gaze on the things that cannot be seen. For the things we see now will soon be gone, but the things we cannot see will last forever. This is the shift. If you are in that picture number two, you have, like we said, you lose all your senses. You have no vision for what God called you to have in this season. But I want to declare to you, and Paul is writing, and he's encouraging his people, saying, man, don't give up. I know it's hard, but don't give up. This stone, that, those small stones, they're just so little compared to all that God has for your life. To all the promises he has for your life, you're just seeing the now, and that now is consuming you and saying, no, no, do not lose heart. Move the stones and think and see the things that your eyes cannot see. And this is what I believe in. Like Jean also encouraged us in their giving with that mentality, is that, man, our present circumstances, I, 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 I can say that I also struggle, that we have like stuff that we struggle. Like you guys were in the States with one income, that's our present reality in our home there are financial stresses but this is just so little compared to all the words that have been spoken to in my life that they must have no weights it's so little guys to everything that god and jesus wants to do and we all i can i bet you that we all have something to look back in a situation where jesus did something so powerful in your life you had i believe most of us here already had one encounter with jesus and if you never had that's no problem we'll pray for you at the end of this experience and welcome you into a life of encounters with him but i believe that we all have a situation in our life that we can look back and see you god you moved there you were faithful back then and you were faithful now you can resurrect dead dreams in our lives Things that have been dead, dead promises. Things that you say, man, I'm either too old. I think my time has passed it. I lost it. You have not lost it. I was thinking about this and, and thinking about Martha and Mary in situations, in, in a trouble situation, when they lost their, their brother. Worse than not understanding our present reality is not seeing Jesus in our present reality. And I just want to tell you, I don't know what you're going through. I don't know everybody's story here. But I encourage you to look around. Jesus is there. He's just waiting. He might just be a one stone away. One little move, one little decision in your life to make room so that he can speak no matter how hard your situation I don't think in, that any of us here are in a Lazarus situation but even if you were Jesus is the same now amen the worship team can come back on uh, I'm going to read a few uh, one last verse here and encourage you guys yeah I just love this everything that God does has a, has a purpose 
I think that the biggest lessons we as a body of Christ that we read here on Sundays have of freedom came from a man in jail. Paul wrote all his letters, man, many of his letters from a jail. And he taught us how to be free in Jesus. So it's not about your circumstances, what is around your life. Jesus wants you to move. And once you acknowledge and say, hey, Jesus, I believe. So I think what God is, Jesus is so loving and kind and respectful that all he's asking for you is, are you willing to make room? Last verse that I want to read to you guys is go back to verse 34 of John 11. It says, Jesus asked a simple question. Where have you laid him? Come and see, Lord, they replied. This to you may seem like, okay, he's surely... I was reading a little bit about this village. It wasn't a big village. Jesus probably knew, and you didn't see all that, all those graves and all those caves all around the city. It was probably a small town. I haven't not been there. But I imagine Jesus knew the answer where Lazarus was. It wasn't a complicated place or an unfamiliar place that Jesus was there for the very first time. And many times in the Bible, you see the, the guy that had the issue with his right hand, he asked, what do you want me to do? Or a blind man, what do you want me to do? What Jesus is asking with that question, he's inviting the people to respond and say, hey, take me to the place where you see death and let me come and next and resurrect that area of your life. All Jesus is asking you is, what do you want me to do? Show me. He's only asking for a response because those are the people that he wants to heal. Those that say, yes, Jesus came for the sick, didn't come for the healthy. Those that are healthy don't want to acknowledge that they need Jesus. It's fine. It's okay. I'll move. I'll do my ministry. I won't pause for you. So I want to encourage us to stand this morning and I'm going to invite the ministry team to come up here. And we're going to go back into worship. But I want to encourage you that today can be your day. Today can be your day. He wants to speak with you. So if you are in a situation where you just need prayer, you just need that kick, it can be a small rock, it can be a small stone. I would just want to encourage you to move. But sometimes we need an extra push. We need someone in our lives that will partner with that, partner our faith, at least help us partner with your faith. By you coming down here asking for prayers doesn't mean that you are in a situation that you have nothing. You may be in that situation, amen, and there's no problem with that. Jesus is more interested in your hearts, in your freedom, in your healing this morning. Amen. Oh, what a word. Thank you so much, Eduardo, for, for sharing your heart. And uh, I just believe that this is a word for us in this season. There's so many things that stand in front of our resurrection stand in front of new life and often what stands in front is the fear of letting go the fear of letting go of what's precious to us this is why we do moments like this our house of hearts our annual year and house of hearts offering it's a time where we're sacrificially obedient to what god is saying we don't want you to feel obligated to give we just give you an opportunity and like i said we do this once a year 
to really stretch ourselves. If if we're just in the routine, maybe some of you out there watching, you you tithe, you give 10% of your income. We believe in that as a, as a house here. Maybe you give offerings, that's where you're at, that's okay. Um, but we just believe that these moments are, are different. They're different in that they're above and beyond our normal giving. It should feel like something. It should feel like tension. It could it feel a little bit scary because we're stepping out above and outside of the rhythm of what we normally do in our routine of giving. And so, because giving can become a routine. And so, uh, this these moments are so powerful as families, as couples, as singles out there. And we in the in the envelope, and you would have got it in the mail if you're only online with us. And if you didn't, please let us know. Emails on the screen here uh, at. Uh, on the, at the email on the screen below and we'll get you the information package so you can be a part of this next week. But there is a, a bookmark that says House of Hearts on here and on the back it has fill out what you're believing for for 2024. We always encourage you to partner your faith financially with something you're believing for in the following year. Uh, just a point of contact, a point of like uh, positioning and we see so many amazing things happen. Michelle and I have had seen so many amazing miracles over the years through uh, writing those things down. Our family's all part of this. And so, you know, you've, you've probably been praying about this for some time now. If you're with us online, you know about it. And I would encourage you to join us uh, online at the end of this experience to give your House of Hearts offering. You can do it through text to give, or you can do it through our online platform at kingdomculture.ca. All the info is on the screen. You can also mail it in. It's kind of snail mail, but uh, we won't get it for some time, but you can postmark it if you want to be a part of this. You don't need to mail this, by the way, this is for you. You keep this, but we're encouraging people to uh, to step up in their giving in this season. Maybe you've never tithed before. Maybe you've never you know, given above and beyond your tithe before. Maybe you've never given an offering in your life and to start somewhere. Maybe it's a dollar a day to do something that feels like sacrifice. I just know God, God loves obedient-led sacrifice. And if you feel obligated, please don't give. This We want this to be a joyful moment for you, a faithful moment for you. And, and as we do this, we're gonna take communion. Before we do this, we're gonna take communion together. We're gonna pray together. But I wanna read a scripture to you in Ephesians chapter 5, verse 2. And it's gonna be on the screen here for you. Live a life filled with love. This is Paul speaking to the church at Ephesus. Live a life filled with love. Follow the example of Christ. He loved us and offered himself as a sacrifice for us, a pleasing aroma to God. Just as Jesus offered his life as a sacrifice for us, and that smelt good to God, every time we offer anything to God that's sacrificial, it honors God. Now, not for the point of being sacrificial, not just to be sacrificial, like there is an obedient-led sacrifice that God loves that God you know, accepts. It's, it's being spirit-led to be joyful in our giving. God loves a cheerful giving, a cheerful giver. The word for cheerful is hilarious. Someone that gives hilariously in life, not under obligation, not a grumpy giver. God, want, God wants you to be a cheerful giver, to give from the revelation of why. Why are you giving? To honor God, to thank God for what he's done in your life. It's a pleasing aroma to God when it's done from the right motivation. You see the motivation in Ephesians chapter five, verse two. It's a life full of love that he's calling us to live, following the example of Christ because Christ loved us. So his motivation was love. Jesus gave because of love. He gave because of honor. Love looks like honor, love looks like thankfulness and so much more. And so when we give out of love, we give, we get to give. This should not feel like obligation, but this should be simply 
uh, the breeding ground for the miraculous for you when you step out in giving. So I want to remind us that it's not about the size of your gift. It's about the size of your sacrifice. At the end of the day, for some people, $10,000 is a lot of money. For some people, uh, $5 is a lot of money. For some people, $100,000 is a lot of money. I don't know what it is for you, but to everybody has a different grid for what feels like sacrifice. As long as you're in a place of sacrifice, I think this is the point. So, of course, uh, the whole communion, we're gonna take communion in a few moments, and then we're gonna do our, our House of Hearts giving um, together as an online community. Um, but the, the whole communion, taking communion, breaking the body, you know, drinking the, the, the wine as a symbol of the blood of Jesus Christ, the whole communion is a spiritual experience in and of, its, of, of itself that celebrates sacrifice. You know, we remember the sacrifice of Jesus' death, uh, of, of his death and into his resurrection. So this was what Paul writes about in 1 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 23 to 25, as he recounts the Last Supper, the story of Jesus with his disciples at the table before he moves into uh, you know, crucifixion mode, going into the Garden of Gethsemane, getting arrested. This is the preamble. This is the on-ramp into the crucifixion. They break bread together. It says here in verse 23 of chapter 11 of 1 Corinthians, for I pass on to you what I received from the Lord himself. On the night when he was betrayed, the Lord Jesus took some bread and gave thanks to God for it. Then he broke it in pieces, he broke it. And this was really a prophetic picture of the body that would be broken. So our broken bodies, both physically and metaphorically speaking, could be restored and made whole again. He broke it into pieces and said, this is my body, which is given to you, it's given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. We're remembering sacrifice. I want you to think about this for a second. At the end of your life, you are not gonna be remembered for anything else but what you sacrificed for. Your family, your friends, the people around your life that you cared about, what you gave your money to, your time to. No one's gonna remember anything else but that. What you did for humanity. People won't remember you know, the big TVs that you had and the big houses that you had, they won't care about that. They will care about your sacrifice. What did you sacrifice for? Did you sacrifice for something good or sacrifice for something bad in life? Did you live for yourself or did you live for the purposes and plans of God, leaving a legacy for your children's children? This is what Proverbs says, a good man leaves, his, uh, uh, leaves a legacy for his grandchildren. God has called us to be good men, good women, in this hour to leave a legacy. And so we're remembered for our legacy, which really is only a legacy because of sacrifi sacrifices all throughout our, our life. And so with the whole premise of, of the gospel is centered around love and sacrifice. The whole premise around communion, what we're doing right now, and even the House of Hearts is around sacrifice. And so remember that you're remembered for what you sacrifice to and for in this life. Do this, he says, in remembrance of me. Verse 25, in the same way he took the cup of wine after supper saying, this is the cup, this cup is the new covenant between God and his people. It's a new covenant that was cut. Covenants were made through blood. So Jesus' blood was sport, spilled out on the cross to cut a new covenant with humanity, restoring humanity back to the original plan of intimacy with the Father reconciling the world to God. So this cup is a representation of the new covenant 
an agreement confirmed with my blood. Do this in remembrance of me as often as you drink it. And so we're gonna take communion, but before we do that, I wanna encourage you, if you haven't already, to take some time to write down on your card what you're gonna do for the House of Hearts this year. And take some time to write down on your bookmark what it is that you're believing for in 2024. Write it, put it, put it in your, your Bible. You know, I always encourage this. Take time to think about this. If you haven't had time to think about uh, what you're believing for, take some time. Don't just write random stuff. I'm believing for, you know, a house, a car, a, you know, a new TV. Like, don't, that's not what this is about. Like, maybe that's something that you could put down if that's what you feel led to do, sure. Um, but take some time to meditate and pray about what God wants you to believe for, to position yourself for. Don't write a laundry list of things because that probably won't happen. Uh, ask God to speak to you, what he's inspiring you to step out into and to believe for in 2024. So as you do that, just get your, your communion elements ready if you haven't already as well. I'll give you a few moments to do that. As I just share, uh, just share a few things from my heart, I really believe that we are moving into a new season as a people where we are waking up truly. I really believe that. I shared this back in the fall in September about a John 11, 11 season. You heard even, you know, Eduardo just share about Lazarus resurrecting and, and waking up. Well, this is, this is the word for us, man. There is, there is some dull blinders over so many people's lives and eyes that God, I believe God is just removing in this season. He's waking us up to the things that God's called us to do. I don't care how old you are. I don't care if you feel like you're at the end of your life. You can wake up. You can wake up to what God has for you in this time of your life. Don't exit your life dull. Exit your life sleeping. Exit your life barely making it through. Ask God to give you eyes to see what he has for you in the latter years of your life. Maybe you're in the middle of your life. Maybe you're in the beginning stages. Maybe you're a teen watching this, whatever the case may be. I want you to ask God in this season of your life, God, wake me up, help me to see what you see over my life so I can fulfill the plan and purposes of God in my life, in Jesus' name. So if you're ready to take communion, we're gonna do that. And you got your house of heart stuff already, we're gonna pray over that as well. But God, I thank you for your broken body. I thank you for your broken body. It was broken to make us whole, to heal us of sickness, of disease. Maybe there's people watching right now your body's ravaged with sickness, ravaged with disease. You got stuff going on in your body. I don't know, maybe you did it to yourself, bad decisions, I don't know, whatever the case may be. I pray God that through even today in the act of communion, you touch people's bodies in a profound way. You release healing in a profound way. Restore organs, restore minds. I pray that you'd restore ligaments and bones and remove stuff like arthritis in the bones and, 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 and the impact that injuries have had over the years that they're still struggling with today. I pray for healing, divine healing to be released in Jesus' name. God, I thank you that you cut a covenant with not only your body, but with your blood. You, 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 you promised healing for our body and you promised for the forgiveness of sin. Through the cross, through what you did on the cross, God, you blood was spilled out of your body to make a way and to reestablish a bridge that was broken because of sin. And you restored humanity back to yourself in this one act on the cross. We thank you that it didn't stop there, that it ended with resurrection. And so all of this, God, we just celebrate, we remember. We remember your sacrifice, we remember what took place. And we do this today 
in remembrance of you. So thank you for your body. Thank you for your blood. It's so powerful to set us free and to heal us. And, and God, we thank you for what you're about to do in this hour. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's take the communion together. Amen. If you had time to write down um, something that's great, if you're still praying about it, that's okay. We're going to pray by faith over it. If you filled this out, it's House of Hearts card right here. Fill at the back, great. Um, I don't know how you're going <clears> to, <throat> however you choose to, uh, you know, send it in or, or be a part of this. You can look online. We have all the information online as well. QR code available to you as well. Um, but let's pray. Let's take some time. Grab, grab the hands of your... your spouse or if you're alone just um like kind of open up your hands to receive maybe you're with your family watching right now whatever the case may be maybe you're listening after the fact that's okay we're gonna pray and believe god for amazing things together in 2024 jesus we thank you that you are the author and the finisher of our faith and that there is the beginnings of a faith journey happening today for many people in some ways Maybe it's the start of believing God and trusting God with your, our finances. Maybe it's the restart of that because we started a long time ago. Financial crisis hit. We thought, hey, we can't do this anymore. We can't trust God and, uh, with our finances. And so we've stopped. Maybe you, you get, we've given at one point and then we stopped. We pulled back because of fear. I pray that you would reset our lives today. Hit the reset button. God, so many people often will say, I can't afford to give, but I just believe that, God, we can't afford not to give because we can't afford not to trust you with our finances. And I pray that this would be a season of great faith. And some people, it's the beginning of that faith journey. And I believe that, God, in 2024, you are going to bring so many things to completion. I believe that 2024 is going to be a year of many firsts for many people. 2024 is going to be a year where you begin to see things you've never seen before and prayers answered you've never seen before in your life. And I believe a lot of it's tied to our ability to trust God with everything. Sometimes finances is the last thing that we choose to trust God with. Everything else, our time, our gifts, maybe, you know, we're faithful in so many areas, but then for some reason the enemy has a foothold on our money and God wants to deliver us. And I just believe that as you let him do this in your life, you will see a radical change in your life uh, in so many ways. And God, we pray for all the prayers and all the things believed, believed for on these bookmarks. We pray that you would do the miraculous, that you would blow the minds of the people that are stepping out in faith today. God, I pray that you prosper their businesses, prosper their homes, their families, their relationships. That God, you would introduce new relationships. You'd answer prayers that have been prayed for years, that God, you would do what only you can do, that you'd show them how to position themselves in 2024 to see you move and fulfill your promise. God, I pray that you remind us and remind everybody watching that you are faithful to fulfill your promises, that your promises are always yes and they're amen, they're so be it, they're, they're, they're always fulfilled in you. It's a matter of time. I pray that, God, we would look through time and continue to be faithful even when it makes no sense. God, I thank you that you're speaking today, and I pray that in this House of Hearts offering, you would create a house, even online, of healthy hearts. In kingdom culture, God, there would be a house, it would, it would be a house of 
healthy hearts, strong hearts, hearts that believe for the miraculous, hearts that believe for the unimaginable. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Thank you so much for, for tuning in with us today and being a part of House of Hearts. If maybe this was rushed and it was a surprise attack on you, you, you felt like you're not ready, it's okay. You have until the end of the year, December 31st, uh, to be a part of the House of Hearts. Please make sure you, you separate your offering from your normal giving to House of Hearts. It helps us really track what came in for the House of Hearts. But thank you for your generosity, Kingdom Culture. So excited for what God's going to do in the new year. Excited for next week as we go into our holiday dream. And uh, and it's going to be an amazing, amazing time. By the way, pray for me. I'm going to be in Israel. I leave for Israel tomorrow, actually, uh, for a full week. It's going to be a wild time. Pray for safety. Uh, pray for God to move. Uh, we have we have special military operations on standby uh, on, on us as a, to assist us if we need to evacuate um, an area. We're working with the IDF to make sure we can go into specific areas, and it's going to be an amazing time. Just 12 pastors from around of the world going. Uh, one of the first uh, solidarity missions of this nature that's ever happened since uh, since October 7th. So it's going to be a wild time. Pray for us. It's going to be an amazing journey. And so we'll see you next Sunday. It's going to be a powerful time. And uh, join us, House of Hearts, in 2023.